1: Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Denver Broncos. This is the Broncos Wire Podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Broncos Wire editor, John Heath. Welcome into the show. Great to have you with us for this uh, post NFL draft edition of the Broncos Wire Podcast. We have a long list of topics we're going to. Uh, we're hoping to cover them all, and we're gonna, we're going to try to hit them. But uh, first, shout out to you, John, and really the entire USA Today NFL wires team for your draft coverage. You guys absolutely killed it as usual. I do not know how you guys posted as many articles as you did, and, and how timely you were after each pick across the board, but especially on Broncos Wire as well. Um, but again, you guys killed it as usual. Congrats to you on that. It was it was really fun to watch you guys work and and to have the content right in front of you as it was happening was kind of awesome
0: yeah thanks ryan i can't take a lot of credit for that though because i broncos wire has three contributors now josh uh brandon and brad and they were huge with the draft this year so shout out to those three guys i'm really happy to have them at broncos wire but yeah as a whole broncos wire and the nfl wire as a whole their draft coverage last few years has been phenomenal
1: yeah. Excellent. 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 And it's good to get the contributors shouted out because we probably don't shout them out enough for the work they do, John. Uh, but I just want to start with that. And that's I guess that's enough of the pleasantries. Right. We have a long list of things to get to. So let's just like let's get to Jerry Judy getting arrested. Right. So we'll get the pleasantries out of the way. and Get to Jerry Judy being arrested. Great start for the Broncos. Right. Uh, how you feeling about this? It doesn't sound like it's a dire situation for Judy and the Broncos. But what's your take on Judy getting arrested?
0: Yeah, just like you said right there, doesn't it seem like it's a dire situation? And I don't want to like minimize it, especially because when the very first thing that came out from police mentioned like domestic violence and then you're like, oh, my goodness, this is terrible. What in the world did he do? But then when more details come out, it it sounds like basically just like, you know, a couple's quarrel where they were. She was wanting his to see his phone. he was hiding his phone from her, and then she took his phone and so, in retaliation, he wouldn't give her back things that belonged to her and then so she called the police and then the police ended up arresting him and she she said in court the next morning that there was nothing physical, there was no violence, and she even said she wasn't wanting him to be arrested she just wanted the situation to be diffused. So it sounds like and I, I want to be careful because like I'm not a lawyer but just from a non-lawyer perspective in my opinion it seems like it's not that big of a deal. And he's going to go back to court at the end of May but he's already he's been practicing with the Broncos again and it it seems like if any kind of punishment from the court it seems like it would be minimal and I can't imagine the NFL would suspend him for something like this because it 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 just seems like it's minimal to me. Again, from a non-legal perspective, as as a person who doesn't cover this kind of thing for a living, it it doesn't seem like it was a, a huge deal. So from that perspective, you know, it, it's kind of a sigh of relief. Like, okay, it, it maybe it was blown out a little out of proportion before we knew all the information there. Um, and and obviously, like from a human perspective, you hope that Judy and his girlfriend that they work this out and that things go better for them going forward but you know we're a football podcast and a broncos podcast so also from a football perspective like judy he's got a this is a big year coming up for him his first two years in the nfl he he just didn't live up to his first round talent and he has all the excuses in the world because the quarterback play has been terrible but Russell Wilson is here now, and so there's no more excuses. Like Judy, he's gotta have a big season this year. He's gotta live up to his first round talent. So on the field and off the field, he's gotta be things have gotta be going well for him. So it's it's a something that you don't like to see happen, but hopefully it's not a big thing. Hopefully they're gonna move past it. Hopefully he'll be okay going forward and his relationship will be fine going forward, hopefully. And hopefully on the field this year, he turns into the first round pick. That we've been expecting him to be.
1: No, nah, I, I think you nailed it. You kind of stole my take there, John. Good for you, uh, because you know we share the topics, but we don't necessarily share our takes. Uh, because last year at this time, we were our, we were talking about the same thing. This is a big year for Jerry Judy. You did a interview with him. We were playing sound from the interview and reacting to it, and we were talking about how big of a year it was for Jerry Judy. Right? Uh, same situation here. I, I think we're all a little disappointed with last year, right? Uh, across the board, not just with Jerry Judy. Uh, but yeah, no, I would say the same thing. It's a big year for him. It's it's not a great start. Uh, but you know, I think when you saw this story come out, a situation domestically involving Judy and the mother of his child, it's like, you're just hoping he didn't put his hands on her or hurt anybody. He didn't do that. So uh, yeah, hopefully they work it out. Hopefully the NFL, who will probably rule after the court makes a decision. But as you wrote, the punishment will probably probably be minimal. So let's just hope we can get back to playing football and he can he can settle that stuff. Um, off the court, but I, I agree with you 100, percent John. Big big year for Jerry Judy. Big year for all Broncos receivers. It's a big year for the young core, right? We keep talking about the young core. You gotta, I mean, you're, it's a, you're nice and up and coming, and you're a young core. Eventually, you got to cash it in, and we're getting to the point now with the Broncos with Russell Wilson here. We it's time to cash it in.
0: Yep, I think they will. I I make this comparison all the time, the Russell Wilson Peyton Manning comparison, but it really reminds me of that because the Broncos they had. Uh, Demarius Thomas they had an Eric Decker uh, they got a Julius Thomas and uh, Demarius Thomas and Eric Decker with Tim Tebow and Kyle Wharton you could see the potential just like we can see the potential with someone like Judy but the numbers weren't there and as soon as May- Peyton Manning comes in instantly they're all off the charts and I really think Wilson can do something similar this year with the offense
1: right and, and another part of the core uh, is Melvin Gordon right? The Broncos re-signing Gordon just before the draft. He's a guy we've we've talked about a, quite a bit on the podcast, John. Uh, I think for me, after the season, I didn't want him. I didn't want him back because of, you know, not necessarily because of the fumbles, just because he, he was like overpaid last year for his role. It was just, he was making too much money. It didn't make sense. I didn't want him back at that number. I did say, John, that at two and a half million for a year, like that would be fine. That's you know, that's where his market was. That's what the Broncos got him, right? That's where they got him for for this year. And I think really underneath this all isn't just this, this is what the quarterback wanted, right? They were teammates at Wisconsin. Uh And I, I just thought with them bringing back Melvin Gordon, it's fine. I have no problem with it. I know you don't either. I'll let you talk here coming up. But, like, if Russell Wilson wants Melvin Gordon, he wants his buddy, he's going to get it, right? This is, like, this is the world we're in now. If Russell Wilson wants him... Maybe George Payton thought going into the draft he was going to draft a running back in the middle rounds, which have been, would, would have been a sound plan and strategy, and, and you talked about that in, I think, our last recording. But if Russell wa- if Russell wanted his guy, he's going to get his guy, right?
0: Yeah, I think so, and I think not only would Wilson like to reunite him because he's his buddy, like you say, but I think Wilson, you've got to have a pass blocking back for him, and you got to have a quality receiving back out of the backfield for him. And there's nobody like that in the draft day one that's going to come in and be a real good pass blocker and be you know an excellent receiver out of the backfield. And Gordon checks both those boxes, and like in our last time we had a podcast. I was saying, I don't think they're going to resign him because they haven't yet. So they're probably going to draft a younger, cheaper running back. And then just a day before the draft, they brought him back. So I, I was surprised by the timing, but I'm not surprised by the decision because like i said he's he's a real good pass blocker before he got to denver he had multiple seasons where he had 50 catches in a year and he hasn't done that in denver just because it hasn't been his role but he's capable of being a real productive receiver out of the backfield and he's very capable of being a very good blocker in the backfield and there was no rookie this year that they were going to get that be able to do it as well as gordon and like you said he's cheap two and a half million that's perfectly fine like yeah a rookie running back would be cheaper but two and a half is not too much for how productive Gordon is. He's well worth that. So I I think it was a fine decision. And like next year, they can draft a young running back next year if they want. This I think is kind of a short term fix to have a veteran running back, a veteran blocker. And I I think that Javante Williams is going to be like the one A, and Gordon will move to be like the one B. They're still going to rotate, but I think Williams is going to get a little more featured this year.
1: Yeah, that's interesting because I think. You know, ultimately, the return of Melvin Gordon, whether I love it or not, uh, John, at the price that they got him at for this year, that's not going to hurt the Broncos. You know, when you think about it for the real football team, the real Broncos, it'll probably help Javante Williams. It'll probably help Russell Wilson having him back. Right. Uh, So it's fine. It's like, as you said, I have no problem with them bringing him back at that price. No one should really have a problem with it. Uh, Unless, John, unless you're the fantasy football community. Right. Yeah. Here's a side topic. Right. Like. Dynasty League owners who have Javante Williams, they can't be happy right now, right? Because how's the split going to be? Like you said, right? Like maybe he's 1A to 1B, but last year it was really 60-40. It it was maybe 50-50, 60-40. I think it was a little bit slanted towards Gordon in terms of touches, right? Uh, We're not really going to know, right? We have a new head coach uh, who loved to deploy two backs, right? Whether it was Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams or Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon over in Green Bay, uh, Nathaniel Hackett loves those two running backs. He he love he probably loves having Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon back because they you know they played together, they like each other, whatever. They've been in the room together. So how will this committee go? When should you draft Javante Williams? Should you be pissed if you're a dynasty league owner? I mean, that's that's a whole side topic with the fantasy football community, right?
0: Yeah, I think it's disappointing in dynasty leagues, but I think. If you had uh Javante Williams and Dynasty, you were excited about the possibility of them not bringing back Gordon. But if you were paying attention to what we've been saying, he was gonna he's not gonna be a workhorse. They're not gonna run him into the ground because we've seen Nathaniel Hackett, he's he's Dunson do that in Green Bay, Aaron Jones Is a great running back, and they still drafted AJ Dillon and they still gave AJ Dillon like half the touches. So I think that's becoming more and more prevalent in the NFL, unless you have like a Derrick Henry or unless you have someone that they run into the ground like Alvin Kamara or Christian McCaffrey, guys that always get hurt. Unless it's like that kind of a scenario and there's fewer and fewer of them across the NFL, you're not going to have a true workhorse. So you just got to try to find guys in fantasy that you know have the talent and when they get the opportunities they're productive and Williams he has a talent he's productive when he gets opportunities and even if he does a 50-50 split like you could still play Aaron Jones in fantasy last year and he was still good he he wants in Derrick Henry good because nobody in the NFL gets that kind of workload but he's still a good back so I say you could still start Javante Williams Uh, he's just you have to know he's not the workhorse guy, but he never really was going to be the workhorse guy even before they re-signed Gordon because they would have paired him with someone else.
1: Yep, that's that's Hackett style. So so we knew going into the draft that they didn't really need a running back anymore because they signed Melvin Gordon. They addressed that, but they did make plenty of draft picks. John, let's get into the draft a little bit. Talk about some of these guys. I want to get your take on them. Uh, Obviously, the Broncos didn't have a, a first or second round pick because of the Russell Wilson trade. Well, they didn't have their own second-round pick, right? But they did have that second-round pick from the Rams when they traded Von Miller, and they used that second-rounder to select an outside linebacker, Nick Bonito. Tell me about him. What do you think about him, and do you like him? They have really stocked up on their uh, pass rushers, the Broncos. have. It's going to be an interesting camp uh, in that regard.
0: Yeah, I do like him, and like you said, they've stocked up on outside linebackers. I think it just... This pick is a reflection of like teams say it all the time and like it's such a cliche, but you want to draft for, you know, the best player available opposed to reaching for needs and people teams always say that. And I don't think they actually all the time do it. But I think George Payton, this draft, I think he proved it. By not addressing a few needs that they really were going to draft the best player available because pass rusher, they didn't have to have this very season another one. Because you got Bradley Chubb, you just brought in Randy Gregory. Those are two quality starting outside linebackers. And then Jonathan Cooper and Malik We Reed, they're capable guys behind them. So they didn't have to have one right now, but they just know. He's a real quality player. They didn't expect him to drop to the bottom of the second round and pass rusher is such a premium position in the NFL. If you if you get a chance to draft someone like that, you do. And I think it's just a smart way to build your roster because of the kind of position it is and because of Bradley Chubb's contract situation, like you want to give yourself flexibility going forward. Like Bradley Chubb's in a contract year. And if you know if he's not quite good enough this year, and the Broncos don't want to re-sign him next year, now they got Bonito all ready to go because they drafted him when they didn't have to have him. Or like if Chubb does have an amazing season, and the Broncos can't afford to sign him next year because he's so good this year, he gets a monster contract in free agency. Then you got Bonito all ready to go next year. So I think just kind of targeting best player available targeting key positions that you know you can never they, they always say you can never have too many pass rushers so just the principle of landing him i really like and the player himself i think but he's in a great spot because he's not going to be leaned on as a rookie he's going to be a rotational pass rusher which he's going to love that he's not going to have to do the necessarily do the early down dirty work um he's not going to have to set the edge and defend the run all the time like chubb and gregory will be doing but that that is something they want him to work on though so he's got to get a little bigger a little stronger a little better defending the edge but i think as a rookie he's mostly just going to have fun rushing the passer which is a real nice way to adjust to getting into the nfl
1: yeah i mean it's interesting to hear you talk about him because i didn't i didn't know about much about the player john until they took him and and you started writing about him uh i have nothing negative to say about the player or the pick i i just i just i'm feared about to be blocked on twitter just for uttering his name in public, right? And I don't know if I'm even blocked on Twitter by people, but I, I, you know, all I know is he loves to block people, people for no reason, it seems. And, and, John, anyone who would block you, that you're the nicest guy in the world, even when you're trying to rip people on the show here, you come across like a nice guy, <laughs> honestly. You're like the nicest guy I know. So I don't know if I could trust Benito because he blocked you on Twitter, and... I don't know if I can trust him. So yeah, I don't have any take on him as a as a linebacker and how he's going to contribute for the Broncos. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. We'll see how that pans out. But I I don't know, he's already off on the bad foot with with me because he blocked you on Twitter. I don't know if I can trust him.
0: I think he must have had like some kind of Twitter app or something that like blocked like Broncos as a keyword or something. I'm thinking because <laughs> Does he there hate were the Broncos, multiple... why? <laughs> Well, there were multiple like Broncos fans and even Broncos media people that were also saying they were blocked and they had never interacted with him. Like I never interacted with him. I never tweeted anything bad about him. So I think it was like an automated system, I assume, because I don't know why I would have beef with that many people. And I, I do remember back in the day, I tweeted that uh, if Shane Ray once in a first-round pick, Shaq Barrett would be starting over him. And Shaq Barrett was an undrafted guy, rotational rusher, a real quality rotational rusher for the Broncos. And then when he hit free agency and went to the Bucks, he really took off as a top pass rusher in the NFL. And every Broncos fans could see it. Like Shane Ray just didn't live up to it. But anyway, I'm rambling. Shane Ray blocked me when I tweeted that. I didn't like Adam or anything. He probably just searched for his name. And then Shane Ray, his career didn't really pan out well after that. So I'm hoping that Nick Bonito, the same thing doesn't happen to him. I'm hoping like – it's not a great idea for pass rushers to block me on Twitter. That's all I'm saying. So hopefully <laughs> yeah, he will undo that yes. to avoid becoming the next Shane Ray.
1: Yeah, you're a professional. But you know what What, what Shane Ray did is, you know, that's a little bit more, I guess, like y- you're... I think Benito is kind of ignoring the noise. The other way is just being yeah. too sensitive, overly sensitive, yeah. I think, right? So maybe he's just I ignoring the nose. He's a rookie. Is. He wants to focus. He doesn't want to focus on the social media. So he's like, I'm going to block everybody. Leave me alone. You could just delete your account, but whatever. I don't know. Again, I don't know if I can trust you if you block John Heath. I don't trust Shane right now. Um, not sure if I can trust Benito. I'm sorry, I had to do that, John. I had to s- sneak that in uh, the show because no, I, I appreciate you,
0: <laughs> you sticking up for me. <laughs> but so when you kind. When you
1: tweeted that, I was uh, floored. I'm like, who would block John Heath? He's just, he's just the best. Okay, so I haven't seen, I haven't watched a ton of Benito stuff. I have to, I, I have to do that. I have watched some Greg Dulcich. Um, I've watched some film. And and when I say that, John, I've searched Greg Dulcich on YouTube and and watched the (laughs) highlights. So let's just be clear. I'm not breaking down the all 22. And people know that if they listen to the show, you you know where to go for that. It's not here. Um, But he just looks to me like a big human who can who can move well. He can run. And he looks like he's got a pretty good catch radius, right? Like I've seen highlights of him catching balls out in front of him, balls behind him, adjusting well along the boundaries. Like he looks like he's a professional pass catcher. To me, right? I don't know if he could do all the other stuff that you need to to do as a tight end to be a good pro in the NFL, but it looks like he can catch and that's what we needed uh after moving Noah Fant to Seattle, right? So, I like the pick. How do you feel about it?
0: Yeah, I think the way you described him right there, you know, a big guy, a fast guy, a good receiver, it sounds a lot like Noah Fant and that's kind of what they needed a replacement, uh, a new Noah Fant. Yep. And so I think it made a ton of sense. And, and, and they released a behind the Broncos video and in it, the way they were talking, it seemed like they were considering him in the second round. So to be able to get him in the third round, that was another situation where they were happy that he fell to them at that spot. And I know some fans and especially some pundits were really knocking him on draft day because he's not been a very good blocker. At least he wasn't a very good blocker in college. But to me, that's not much of an issue at all because as a rookie tight end, if he's going to be on the field, it's probably going to be when they're in two tight end situations or like when they have like a tight end flexed out kind of as like a slot receiver. And I think he's going to be on the field primarily to be a receiver because that's what they draft him for, to be a receiver. If if they want a second tight end on the field to block, they, are, they just signed Eric Tomlinson exactly because of his blocking. Like they don't care at all about Tomlinson's catching. Like he's a blocking tight end that is like, 99 percent of his job so they have a blocking tight end that's not going to be dull such as day one duties and of course you want him to get better and they'll work with him and like next year like he'll probably be the number one or the number two tight end and blocking is going to be more important but as far as like an immediate role they're not throwing him out on the field to block like if if he's going to get on the field as a rookie it's going to be for his best attributes which is catching the ball so i think people that are worried about his blocking don't I think it's a little bit of an overreaction. He's here to catch passes and they'll work with him with blocking. And presumably that will improve with time.
1: Yeah, definitely get him in this NFL strength and conditioning program. They'll teach him how to block. It'll, it'll be fine. Uh, and, and you know, another reason I like the pick is because, and I do love, I love Albert O. I, I don't know. I have a thing for him. I, I think he's great. Right. But I don't know if Albert o is ready to carry the load as the main receiving tight end. John, I just don't know. Right. Like he, ha- he made some plays last year for sure. Situationally. Uh, but I don't know if he's the guy to replace Noah Fant, right? Like, who knows? So, uh, yeah. you know, like I said, this Dulcich kid, he looks like he's a specialist at catching the football. That that's all I can, you know, in my in my film study on YouTube. That's what I see. So uh it's great. I think, you know, you know, talking about dynasty fantasy leagues, like Dulcich is a kid that I kinda like. Like if you're mm-hmm. in a if you're in a rookie draft and mm-hmm. you need some help at tight end, uh, oh, yeah, big I time. would target him. I'm actually trying to target him. We're in the fourth round of my uh, dynasty league draft right now and how am i recording a podcast john during my draft because the freaking commissioner set the pick timer to 12 hours 12 12 <laughs> hours and people are literally taking all of that time to make their decision <laughs> between like you know George Pickens and Sky Moore or whatever right it's like guys can we just uh, we started this on Thursday it's been almost a week john we're still going oh, we're my. still we're in the beginning of the fourth round uh Dulcet is still on the board i have 3 picks left so I'll probably get there by you know by Friday of this week, and hopefully he's still there, and I could take him because I think he's he's a you know like you said a guy that might get on the field a little bit this year and catch some balls, right? So looking forward to that. Um, another need the Broncos had that you wrote about and talked about here was inside linebacker. The Broncos passed on inside linebacker. Why did they do that, John?
0: Yeah, I think just like I was saying with Benito, they didn't necessarily need him, and he fell to them inside linebacker they did need but the ones they liked just they didn't fall to them and they weren't going to reach for a guy in the bottom of the second round that they had like a late third round grade on they just they wanted to stick to their board especially because uh like a pass rusher like i said you've got to have pass rushers. like you got to have a pass rusher you got to have a real good corner you got to have a good left tackle like those are the key positions in the NFL and the broncos they've kind of proven the last few years they haven't put an emphasis on inside linebacker. They haven't drafted an inside linebacker early in years. And I think they just don't value the position. They let Kenny, walk, Kenny Young walk in free agency. They haven't re-signed Alexander Johnson in free agency. He's still available. And Josie Jewell, he didn't get a huge contract from them. He was somewhat of a bargain deal for how much he's played and how well he's played. So I think... They just, they don't value position that much and certainly not enough to reach for a guy. So I think it's something that they're going to do patchwork this year. Like they signed Alex Singleton, but I think ideally he'd be better on special teams and they have Baron Browning, but they've been having him work at outside linebacker. And that's kind of surprising to me, given that inside linebackers in need and they're so deep. Someone's got to
1: move inside, John.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I think maybe Browning is going to be like a hybrid role, kind of like. He's able to play outside, but he can also be inside. I assume that's what the big thing is going to be. I think it's going to be a lot of Browning and uh, obviously a lot of Josie Jewel, at least in passing situations. And I think a dark horse to keep an eye on is Jonas Griffith. I think Griffith, I think he started four games last year because both Jewel and Johnson went down with injuries and he did pretty decent. And it seems like the coaching staff really likes him. So he's a young guy, kind of a dark horse to keep an eye on at the position.
1: It's like coaching youth soccer, right? Everybody wants to be a forward. Nobody wants to play a uh, defense or goalie. It's like, come on, we can't all just be outside linebackers and rush the pass. We need someone <laughs> exactly. inside, John. Um, I think when, we, when you look at it through the scope of the modern day NFL, the Broncos are being smart. Or uh, re- let me rephrase that. They think they're being smart, right? Time will tell. But uh, they're not the only team that did this. Now, I love covering the Broncos on this show with you, John, but I'm an actual fan of, as you know, the Patriots. And the Patriots might have the worst inside linebackers in football right now they're <laughs> terrible, and they didn't draft one either, so uh, you know we saw a bunch of guys you know you know the draft pundits right the you know we all crunch different uh, draft pundits that tell us all about these guys where they 're going to be drafted. Well, a lot of guys were wrong on the inside linebackers in this draft, right Nicobe Dean of Georgia, who I saw mocked to the Patriots at number twenty one overall everywhere he he plummeted there was a bunch of a bunch of teams do this because a lot of teams don't value the position anymore. Just like the Broncos, right? It's, it's kind of how business is being done. Uh, it, we're not. It's not as important to have those big run-stuffing linebackers when teams were, you know, it was, or I guess it was when teams were running the ball all the time. But it's, it's no longer about stopping the run. It's as, as you were saying, it's about pressuring the quarterback and stopping the pass on defense. Period. That's what you got to do. So yep. like, the fullback, the inside linebacker, the blocking tight end. Like we've seen a transition. Uh, or uh, the NFL shifting out of, you know, into a new era, a new, you know, a new mode. I'm stumbling over myself here, but we're seeing that transition. No, I get, and I think that's where the Broncos are.
0: Yeah, I get completely what you're saying. With Dean, I think, didn't he have like a shoulder situation that teams were worried yeah, about him not getting surgery or something? how far he fell, though. You know, it was crazy. Yeah, yeah, it was. And I think like you're saying with like a run support linebacker, the Broncos have that guy in Jewel. So if they're gonna get an inside linebacker, you want an athletic off-ball linebacker, a guy that can do coverage, and they're just once in a guy like that fell to them. So I think that you they're just putting it off for another year. Maybe Baron Browning is gonna like not become the next Micah Parsons, but become like a superstar flex guy that moves all over the place. You know maybe they'll be okay, or you know maybe they're just gonna put it off another year and just patch it up for this season, which they've done the last few years and it hasn't been the end of the world. And honestly, I think the, the biggest spot in the middle of the field where they've struggled the last two years is against the run. And I think uh, they beefed up their defensive line this off season. So I think they're going to be a lot better in the middle of the field against the run. And then, so the linebackers, it's not quite as imperative necessarily. You can kind of plug a guy in there opposed to having to have like a Ray Lewis kind of a guy. So I think they'll be okay. I was a little surprised they didn't address the position, but I understand exactly like you're saying that it's not a huge priority position for them.
1: Yeah, but, but you were never wrong. The Broncos had and haven't needed inside linebacker, but as you said, they just don't value that position like we're used to. Um, and there could be a draft just like this where they don't take one at all. And so I get that, right? It makes sense when you think about it and in terms of the modern-day NFL. But offensive tackle is a whole nother question, a whole other whole nother game. Uh you talked about how that was another you, you actually had a, offensive tackle was one of the team's biggest needs, John. They didn't draft a tackle. That one I don't get at all. Like I understood the inside linebacker thing. Um tackle I was a little bit more miffed at. So you tell me, you tell us, why didn't the Broncos draft an offensive tackle? We thought that was a sure thing.
0: Well, again, I think it didn't fall to them and they didn't want to reach way down for a guy that you know they liked but liked it in the later round. And I think the biggest thing this says is they're confident in Billy Turner. And they're not saying that because they're saying it's a competition and they like this guy, this guy, and this guy just because they want him to compete in camp. But I think it's pretty clear that Billy Turner is the guy at right tackle. And as soon as he signed, that was kind of obvious because he started the last three years in green Bay under Nathaniel Hackett. So clearly Hackett is very comfortable with him and he kind of knows Hackett's system already. Well, he j- he does know Hackett's system. Like it'll, yep. it'll get some tweaks in Denver, but he's familiar with the coach. The coach is familiar with him. He has plenty of starting experience. So I think this year Billy Turner is the guy and they also signed Tom Compton as a free agent. So he's a guy that has a little bit of experience, a little bit of depth and he'll compete in camp. And then they also have Calvin Anderson a young tackle who the last two years has kind of been a swing guy who's filled in when people have been hurt and they say they really like him too. So they have like kind of an established starter. They have an, a veteran backup and they have a young guy. That's a backup that who they think is promising. So they have candidates there, but I agree with you that it was weird that they didn't draft one. Cause Billy Turner, he's on a one-year deal. He's getting a little older. So he, he like, He's a fine short-term fix, but he's not the long-term fix. So I would have expected them to draft a right tackle, but clearly they're okay with putting it off another year, like yet another year. It was back in like 2017, they drafted Garrett Bowles in the first round. And since then, it seems like basically every year they do a short-term fix at right tackle, some veteran free agent. And some of them have worked out better than others, but none of them have stuck as a long-term guy. So, at some point, they're going to have to address this with a young, promising rookie. But for now, it's just more of the same. And I think Turner can hold it down just fine. It's just it's a short-term fix.
1: Well, who needs to block anyone, John? We have Russell Wilson now. He's just going to run around and make plays. It's going to be fine.
0: He's going to extend everything <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Fine.
1: But good stuff is always from John on the Broncos draft and um and the whole crew on the whole team at Broncos Wire. They've done stuff on every single draft pick. They continue to do stuff on these on these players. So check it out on Broncos Wire for sure. Um, the schedule has also come out John so schedule day was last week uh, which is part of the reason why we waited an extra week to do this show we just thought we, let's, let's just get it let's just get, get all these topics out of us right now right? let's get it out and the schedule came out the Broncos opening the season on Monday Night Football in Seattle is probably one of the big storylines of the entire schedule release right? just really really fun your lead off take on the Broncos opening on Monday night in Seattle Russ goes home what do you think
0: Yeah, I love it Uh, because it's such a cool story. His very first game with the Broncos, he's playing against his former team of the last 10 years, the team he took to two Super Bowls and the team that he crushed the Broncos with in the Super Bowl. So now, you know, maybe he can help the Broncos get a little bit of revenge. It's totally different because it's regular season compared to a Super Bowl, but still like. the shoe's on the other foot now and he's going to try to help the Broncos return the favor a little bit. So it's, it's an awesome storyline. I kind of like Sunday night football more than Monday night football is just kind of random preference I have. So I would have preferred it to be Sunday night football, but that's not a huge thing. It's still in prime time. You know, every NFL fan is going to be watching this game, not just because of the storyline, but because it's the opening Monday night football game of the season. So it's, it's a real cool matchup and I'm mean, it's a super awesome way to begin the year.
1: Yeah, it's everyone's gonna be watching, especially Broncos fans. Like everyone's gonna be geeked up. You've been waiting months to see how this new offense is gonna look with the new franchise quarterback and the new offensive minded head coach. Like we're all fired up. Uh but the whole build up to the season opener, John, is gonna be about Russell Wilson going home. Right? Going home to the team that drafted him, right? And I can't help it. You know, as a Patriots fan, I think back to last year when Tom Brady came back to Foxborough. It was a very emotional night for me, John, as I'm sure as I'm sure, you know, Um, he came back to Foxborough to play a mediocre Patriots team. And Brady was basically a puddle after the game. He was talking about how emotionally drained he was. You know, he talked about how he was like he was in tears throughout the week or whatever. He had a long meeting with Belichick after the game in the locker room, which is kind of weird. And it's like, how's Russell? This is Russell's first game as a Bronco. It's in Seattle. You know, against a coaching staff and a defense that knows him better than anyone in a loud, hostile stadium against an angry and motivated Drew Locke. Right? Like, I'm not picking, I'm not picking the Seahawks because they're going to be terrible this year, John. I think the Broncos are going to win. But this isn't going to be – this is – as fun as this matchup is and as much as I can't wait for it, and I don't want to be negative Nancy, but this is, like, a harder game than it should be. The C- Seattle sucks, but this is going to be a hard game to win. Week one, Monday night in Seattle, first game with everybody together. Like, this is going to be tough. It's going to be painful. I think they're going to win, but it's not going to be pretty, I don't think. You know, I don't think it's going to be blowout city over there. I think I think, I think it's going to be an emotional night for Russ in a lot of different ways. First game with Denver in Seattle. I think in a little way, in a way, we're getting screwed as Broncos fans, but it's also so freaking fun. I can't wait. You know, I, I'm so torn on it. <laughs> I don't know. Help me out. What am I even saying here? I think it's a tough tough game. It's tougher than it should be. My brother
0: told me the same thing. He was like, I wish that game was in the middle of the season, not week one of the season.
1: 1 p.m. Sunday. That's what I want. Yeah.
0: I get that perspective, but I just think, Yes, it's going to be emotional for Wilson. It's going to be tough for Wilson. But in a way, I think having it in a week one is kind of nice because, yes, you have that leading up this summer to that game. I, I think it will really hit him closer to the game. So really, like Definitely, the yeah. week of leading up to that game, it's going to be tough and emotional for him. But then once it's over, it's over. And you got the whole rest of the season in front of you. You don't have to worry about that at all. If it was – in the middle of the schedule and maybe surrounded by like some tough division games or maybe some like a Thursday night game after a Sunday night game, or, you know, if it's in the middle of the season and you're in a tough, tough spot or like it's before you go to London or it's like after you come back to London after your bye week like I feel like the circumstances could have been tougher. Like I agree with you. This is not going to be an easy game for Wilson and it's not going to be as easy for the Broncos as it looks on paper, But I don't necessarily mind it being in week one because it's highly emotional. You get it out of the way in the week one, done and dusted, and then you move forward the rest of the year. And like you're saying, hopefully they're going to win this game. Start 1-0. Wilson, you know, gets the monkey off his back. You know, he proves a point to his former team and you go forward and it's over. So I kind of like that it's right at the beginning because you can just get it over with. And, you know, if it is a disaster and they lose, (laughs) it's also just... Week one, one game, it's over with, we move forward. Like, it's not towards the end of the season, you're fighting point. for the playoffs, yep, that's a good and point. super emotional, you lose, and it, like, kills your playoff chances. Like, it's not that kind of a scenario. So, uh, I get that people would have liked it kind of in the middle of the year, but I'm not too too bothered about it being right in week one. I think it, in some ways, it's kind of nice.
1: Yeah, I mean, as a football fan, I can't wait. It's going to be so fun. Like, that's going to be a must-see event on Monday night. I can't wait. It's going to be great how the Broncos are going to look with Wilson he's in Seattle come on forget it it's going to be great those fans are awesome over there um, but yeah from an
0: NFL perspective they don't want to put it in the middle of the season if the you know Seahawks are like 2 and 7 yes, or something exactly so yep. Yep. at the beginning of the year everybody's good until you're not so this gives them a chance like what are the Seahawks going to look like this year and you mentioned the Drew Locke aspect like i kind of keep forgetting about that like <laughs> not only is this Wilson against his former team Drew Locke, if he wins a starting job, he is going to have so much motivation to prove a point to the Broncos. He is going to come out. He's going to want to come out on fire and just tear them up. And we'll see if he can do it. We'll see if he even wins the starting job. But, you know, that is another huge storyline. It's going to be so interesting to see Locke, his very first game with the Seahawks against the Broncos, a team where, you know, it seems like he has a little bit of hard feelings, maybe rightfully so. And I think he definitely has some hard feelings against some of the fans, probably primarily me and you, Ryan, <laughs> you who probably, have yes. given him a tough tough time, because he has real, real diehard supporters. But I think on social media, you notice even if it's only like a tenth negative, and you know like ninety percent positive and ten percent negative, you notice the negative, and the negative hits you. And so I think Locke has felt the negative fans in the time he felt in Denver. And I think that really bothered him and so i think he's gonna have a. and it's not just from the fans either obviously the front office gave up on him they did in his mind they didn't give him enough of a chance so he's gonna want to prove him wrong
1: yeah no you wait drew Locke is gonna start john he's gonna he's gonna look like john elway that game right and he's gonna suck the rest of the year (laughs) that's gonna happen seattle's not gonna be. be good they're gonna be bad but that's gonna be a really tough game and i don't think it's a i don't think it's a automatic win for the Broncos, even though Seattle's not gonna be that good. Uh, it's gonna be really fun. It's gonna be a fun night. I can't wait. It's gonna be great. Um, other other topics with the schedule. No team got six primetime games, John, but Denver got five. Um, they were one of the, you know, one of the teams that got five, four primetime games in their first six contests. So you're going to be exhausted. We're going to be exhausted. Especially oh, you covering Tell the team about it. for the, for the, you know, for the Broncos fire, you guys are going to be exhausted. it be a long couple months to start the year, but it's going to be a lot of fun, but just a lot of night games. Uh, and I, I thought this was fun. Denver got five primetime games this year. So, well, so that's what Seattle had last year. Seattle had five primetime games last year. This year they have two. the Monday night game to open the year. And then their Thursday night football game, they have no Sunday night games. So Seattle will be in the limelight on Monday night. And then they'll be, They'll disappear. From the national landscape, why? I mean, I don't know. It's not because of Drew Lock, right? It's not because Drew Lock's their quarterback. It can't be John. It can't be no.
0: Yeah, no. I think there's a, a certain quarterback that made the Broncos very relevant, and his departure has made the Seahawks very irrelevant very quickly. It's amazing <laughs> what a franchise quarterback does to an NFL it's team.
1: A QB swap, and now one team's got five primetime games, the other's got two. <laughs>
0: yeah, and so. and the, the Broncos are in primetime five times they also got two more nationally televised games because in london uh, technically it's streaming but anybody in the country that wants to watch that can watch it on espn plus and then they play on christmas day in the afternoon against the rams they're only one of three games on christmas so that game will be nationally televised on cbs so i hope the broncos are good this year because if they're not nfl fans are going to get really sick of them
1: a lot of broncos football right in your face this year right here it comes here it comes i'm excited i love it i hope
0: they live up to it that's yeah. the thing
1: yeah i'm not in colorado so I, I need that i need them on national tv i'll we get to see more games and not have to worry about the red zone it'd be perfect yep yep be perfect so so there it is there it is we we hit all our topics john i'm proud of us i'm out of breath here as usual uh but there's a lot to get to on this one uh you know the broncos are about to begin ota soon um you know it's you know, it's already June basically. Like we're gonna blink it will be in June, right? So it's gonna be time for OTAs and all that. You got any takes on the on what's next for the Broncos here before we sign off?
0: Yeah, no, just like you said, OTAs just about to start. Then middle of June, they got mandatory mini camp. The players then get a break until training camp starts in late July. And then from in July you go into August, you got preseason, preseason flies by and the regular season's here in September. So we're gonna get through these months and football is gonna be back. Pretty quickly, and you know, if the Broncos like, if they are sold to a new owner or if something big p- comes up, we'll hop on and record a podcast. But otherwise, we're gonna take a little summer break, like the players are, and we'll get back to it back when football gets closer.
1: Yeah, for sure. If there's any uh, if there's any news that warrants it, we'll definitely jump on here. I'm I'm available. I'm available for you anytime, John. You just let me know. You let me know. We'll record. I playing. appreciate
0: it. Sounds good, Ryan. Yeah,
1: and you better get your rest because my god, you're going to be a busy man with Broncos. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a big year for them. It's going to be exciting. Yeah, I can't wait to. A come lot here.
0: of late nights, a lot of prime time. It's it's exciting. Thank you, Russell Wilson.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's so sweet, isn't it? It's great. I still can't believe that. Um it'll it'll really be surreal watching him lead them out there in a Broncos uniform and it's going to be like Russell Wilson's in a Denver uniform playing Seattle. It's going to be a it's going to be a mind trip. Uh but it's going to be a lot of fun. Hey, all serious, John. Great job covering the draft and everything you're doing with Broncos, wire man. You should, you know, you should be proud of yourself and the team. You guys are doing a great job.
0: All right. Sounds good, Ryan. And thank you, fans, for listening. Please give us a positive rating and review on your podcast service of choice. And we'll talk to you guys next time.
1: This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates. The latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini and the Huddle Podcast. Inside the Weekly Line with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.